Hi guys, welcome back to Mel and Girl Problem Podcast. Today is the last episode of this season for season one of Mel and Girl Problem Podcast. And today we are talking about black women and education. Education has long been such seen as an essential tool of liberation for black women and girls. Even before black people were legally allowed to learn to read and write, black women and girls remained steadfast in their commitment to the advancement of their race and gender through education. Yet, despite their essential roles in the fight for equal access to education, the contribution of black women and girls are often forgotten in the broad stroke of American history. An organization committed to improving women and girls' access to education AAUW has often been at the forefront for the, of the push for equality in education by working to improve school environment and make them safer th- through Title IX enforcement examining the status of women in science, technology, engineering, and math, or the STEM program field, and supporting cases that ensure rights of students are upheld within the classroom. Quality education for women and girls is a crucial step towards achieving equity. More than 60 years after the Brown vs. Board of Education of Topeka, in which the Supreme Court ruled that state laws segregating schools were unconstitutional, schools are more segregated than they were in 1968. Approximately 75% of black students attend racially segregated schools, and black girls have suffered greatly as a result. Studies show that segregated schools made up mostly of black students tend to be poorly funded and are often more likely to employ punitive tactics such as suspension and expulsion than integrated or mostly white schools. Research has also found that black girls are up to six times more likely to be disciplined in school than boys or girls of any race, putting them at a disappropriate risk of for push-out or being fueled out of the education system into the criminal justice system due to the barriers such as racism and sexism. Those same barriers also contribute to the fact that only one quarter of black women go to go on to get a fourth degree, four year degree after high school, and if they do reach college, they are more likely to need to take out student loans. After leaving college, black women are also poor to have more difficulty paying these loans back. Research knows that these achievement gaps or alleged differences in educational performance based on race are not due to the intact lack of ability in black women rather than systems of oppression place a series of obstacles in the way of black women's education and a career to hinder their progress towards success. The legend of Jim Crow de facto segregation is one of the, one of these systems. De facto segregation refers to patterns of racial separation that are no longer required by explicitly discriminated laws. So how do we get here and how do we move forward? Over three installments of the building to Brown series will examine the history of school segregation in the United States leading up to the Brown versus Board dives deeper into the broad, Brown decision, white backlash, and resistance to interrogation and the athlete efforts that black women and girls made to protect their rights to education and discuss the resegregation of public schools and the negative effect it has on black women and girls in education and in the workplace. <clears throat> It will also make segregation for federal, state, and local policy change as well as individuals and institution-level change necessary to make high-quality public education fully available to all women and girls. Step 1. Bill into Brown. <clears throat> 100 Years of Segregation Brown versus Board was a historic case for educational equality in the United States. Many people know the crucial role black men, such as the visionary Charles 
Houston and Thorogood Marshall played in this case, but many black women are left out of the narrative leading up to the Brown decision. And then Robert versus Boston Board. More than a century before Brown versus Board, another girl and her family challenged school segregation in 1849. The father of five-year-old black girl Sarah Rogers Roberts argued that Boston segregation school policy, which forced Robert to walk past five all white Boston public school to get to the closest Negro school was unconstitutional. When her father tried to enroll her one of the local white school, Sarah was denied, and in response to the Roberts family sued the state of Massachusetts on behalf of Sarah. The court ruled against her, but in 1855, Robert brought the issue to the state legislature with the help of her attorney, Charles Summer. As a result, Commonwealth of Massachusetts banned segregated schools statewide. And although the Robert case laid the groundwork for Brown, the original ruling would later be in defense of Pleasings versus Ferguson decision, which upheld de jure or legally recognized segregation. And in the late 60s, 1860s, white policies in the Re- Reconstruction era, after slavery, southern states and several northern states, such as, such as New York and Illinois, implicated legislation restricting the lives of newly freed slaves. These laws, which later became known as Black Codes, imposed work requirements and harsh Fantasy laws that essentially reslaved are a large portion of the pop- black population. In 1867, a newly elected Republican majority votes to place southern states under mi- military rule. With the passage of the Reconstitution Act, the short-lived and poorly funded Bureau of Refuge, Freedom, Freedom Men, and Abandoned Land, also known as the Freedom Freedmen Bureau, was part of these efforts. The Freedmen Bureau was created to help formerly enslaved present people transition from slavery to, to, into citizenship. One of the Bureau's major duties was building and funding black schools in the South and the creation of the first black school. Under the Reconstitution Act, the Freedom Freedom Men Bureau began to establish black schools in the South since all the black children were still barred from public schools. These black schools were largely run by northern black women such as Charlene Fortin and white women from northern Quaker societies. Among these were the first schools were the Shimbaze School, whose first Student body features more girls than boys. And the Richard and Colored Normal School and Armstrong High School was the first black high school was established in 1870, originally called the Preparatory High School for Colored Youth. It still stands today in Washington, D.C. as Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School and then codifying the Jim Crow practice. As a white-dominant South legislator regains power, the implicate new laws to enforce white supremacy and black interference in response to the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment, which will only afford former slave citizenship and equal protection under these laws. These new students and these new statutes became known as the Jim Crow laws, named after popular municipal routine that stereotyping black people as unintelligent and unintelligent. Untrustworthy. Jim Crow laws in various states require the segregation of race in restaurants, theater, public transportation, prisons, and of course, school. The Plessy versus Ferguson federal legitimacy for the separation but equal doctrinarian. What I mean by that, up, up until the turn of the century, Jim Crow policies were maintained by private citizens business owners, and state's law legislators. Plessy versus Ferguson widely ranged one of the worst decisions ever handed down by the Supreme Court. Changing these practices dramatically by giving medical legitimacy to the ongoing practice. Homie Pleasanton, New Orleans civil rights group, Condes Cidion, or in English, Citizens 
Committee challenged the separated car act of 1890, which required slavery trained in Louisiana and the court ruled that with these separations, accommodations did not violate the 14th Amendment as long as the accommodations were equal. Of course, black and white accommodations were not equally funded, and therefore they could not be considered equal in any real sense. The endorsement of the separation but equal doctrine legitimized the South's segregation practice in many sectors, including education. And the establishment of the first school for black women. On the first double NAACP reform in New York City, the daughter of the former slave continued to open schools for the next generation. Black women opened some of their first grade schools, high school, trade school, and colleges for black and brown women in the South. And in 1904, Mary McLeod Buthin established the Detona Normal and Industrial School for Negro Girls, which later became the prestigious Beeman Cookman University. In 1909, Nanny Helen Burgess, Bethu's friend and contemporary, opened the first school for black women in Washington, D.C., which serves girls of college from all over the world, and how they formed their own legal defense fund. But equally, people with principal legal federal cases that were later decided in Brown, such as Buchanan and Worley in 1917, which held the status of mandatory racial segregation were unconstitutionalized under the 14th Amendment. Equal Protection Clause. However, the, dub, the NAACP was unable to detain tax-exempt status, which greatly limited their amount of work they could do. In order to expand their scope, they found it necessary to establish their own legal defense and educational fund, or LDF, in 1939. The LDF was largely led by Charles Hamilton Hudson, whose legal charges were individual in value to the legal battle lead up to Brown. One of the LDS first hired was a constant Baker Multi, who later became the first black woman to serve in the U.S. jurisdiction. Multi was not only extended to the form to the newly formed LDF, she helped draft the original com- complaint for Brown versus Board. And then we have the Doll Test. Basically, the Doll Test is is was a achievement award uh, by P- Peter Clark, Ph.D., and Kenneth Clark, Ph.D., published Racial Identification Preference in Negro Children, which was later used in the Brown decision. The survey, the study surveyed the re- reaction of black children who attended segregated schools to black and white dolls. Mommy Clark asked the children questions as such as which doll they looked, they thought looked nice, which looked bad, and which one of which one they would rather play with. She found that black children overwhelmingly assigned positive attitude to the white doll and negative attitudes to the black doll, demonstrating that low self-esteem and self-hatred could be linked to racial segregation. In Brown and the Doll Test, research was shown to show the largely social effect of segregation on children of all races, further legitimizing the argument that separate schools were entirely unequal. Now, through all the years of education for black women and black girls everywhere, there have been a lot of aftermaths for some of these cases that I have named. And then also you have to think after the massive fighting so long of ending the massive rejection of being denied education for any girl of any age. And to think without these cases, what do you think we would be now? Would we still be in segregated schools and not be able to get the proper education we need to further any generation and to further our past in life? And then you got to think about today's society. Where are we now? And schools are still separated, still unequal. With the Brown versus Board decision, civil rights activists dealt a significant blow to the state, sanctioned discrimination. Although Brown 
normalized and ended the segregation. The case did not guarantee nationwide acceptance in the interrogation. Without a timeline for implication, southern states were given plenty of leeway to technically follow the laws, which still included black people from public schools. In recent decades, massive resistance to school education has given way to several seemingly school choices programs like private school vouchers and the massive expansion of charter schools. The policy on residential segregation have been contributed to continued segregation of U.S. schools with a disappropriate impact on black women and girls. And then there's a bit of the spiel of talking about how we were treated in education, how we black girls should still be given a chance to further education when so long we were wanted to have equal whites just like everybody else. And I would hope to see that we will no longer go backwards and we continue to go forward and still give everyone equal rights in education no matter what their race, no matter what their gender, because we are still in America where our history is still shaken by the past of our change, but we do not let that define us. We will continue to move forward in our ways to recruit a better education system for everybody so that way they can achieve the same goals in life as they have fought so hard in the past. And I hope you enjoyed my podcast for today. This is the last season of Melon and Girl Problem Podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. And I will announce in a trailer when season two will be happily be coming up. Until then, have a blessed day. Thank you for tuning into my wonderful season of season one. And if you have any topics that I'll talk about for season two, leave me a comment on my Instagram, Snapchat, or text me any questions you may have about the podcast in general. And I'll see y'all next time. Hope y'all have a blessed day and uh, goodbye.